You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast, and I have Sean Faber. Uh, he writes a blog called FaveYourself.com, and uh, he helps people with uh, looking at their posture and various other modalities to help them you know, live a better life and feel better. So, uh, Sean, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Rich. Yeah. And just for listeners, uh, I was just telling Sean offline that, you know, I don't know, a month or so ago, I saw his bio and he mentioned something called the Egoscue or Egoscue method. Like this postural alignment system, so I went and I got it done, and uh, it helps. And I feel a lot better. So maybe we'll talk about that as part of the modalities. Excellent. Yeah, but Sean, tell me what what was your uh, what's been your health journey? Because usually people that work in a particular area, you know, it's because they struggled with problems themselves. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I you know I had a really hard time deciding what I wanted to do with my life, and I was in college, and I was thinking about a couple different things. I decided it was going to be nursing. And so I went all in to the top of my class. I went and volunteered at some hospitals for a time. And I quickly noticed that the hospitals were mostly in the, the business of managing chronic problems and not necessarily solving them. And so I canceled going to nursing school. I became a personal trainer, uh, re-registered at a different college. I went to UT for kinesiology. And I just went, got in right away, learned as much as I could. As soon as I graduated, I sought additional certifications. I became a yoga teacher. And I was learning a lot about how the body worked. I was noticing what worked for people that were in pain and what didn't. And I was ready for a move. I got into posture therapy at the clinic that you went to here in Austin. And I learned a whole lot there. And I would say overall, my goal for my career is to just learn as much as I can so that I can offer help to basically anyone in anyone, any situation. Right now, I spend most of my time uh, as a full-time PE coach at a private school here in Austin that allows me to study the posture of the children, and I've learned a lot of amazing things through that as well. Yeah, let's start with the um, looking at children. So at what ages are you seeing problems in their posture, and what's the consequence for them? So some of the kids will have straight like neck pain, back pain. I assessed a group of about 150 students between the ages of 7 and 13, and 69% of them had really forward heads. Uh, 67% of them were standing forward on their toes. And you may have heard this at the Agassiz Clinic, but that'll put the weight of their upper body straight into their back. And as much time as they do sitting, all their hamstrings are shortened, so that'll change their pelvic position. A lot of them are already heavily favoring one side. And a lot of them can't do like basic mobility work. I'll tell you what, though, um, we did seven years old. Yeah. I mean, you know, think about it. When we were kids, 
we had time to go outside. We didn't have tablets, computers. So these kids are doing the, you know, eight hours a day sitting from infancy. So they're basically growing with shortened hamstrings, mispositioned pelvises, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, But the cool thing about it is, and I noticed this in my research, is that the posture of younger children is easier to manage and changes more quickly. So overall, in my intervention group, I had about uh, 120 students in the intervention group. We did a five-minute posture intervention at the beginning of PE class three times a week for two months, and 63% of the students improved in a very noticeable way just in that amount of time. Wow. So five yeah. minutes, what, a day for a period of time? or literally? Uh, most most of them five minutes three times a week, so not even every day. That's not a lot. Huh. Yeah. So, the, I mean, I like to think of the body like a plant. You know, it'll wilt, it'll struggle. You pour some water on it, it'll come right back. Well, would, could this be integrated into um, traditional schooling? You know, if you're running a school, an elementary school, is there some kind of protocol you could have the kids do to counteract some or all of the sitting all day? Um, fighting the sitting all day would take a lot of effort. And I think that's more resources than most schools have to offer. Um, one of my favorite men on the planet, Dr. Kelly Starrett, who's based in San Francisco, I got to meet him last year. He runs an organization called Stand Up Kids, and they provide standing desks to schools, public schools who need standing desks. And they have come up with some amazing results. Uh, across the board, they're noticing in standing classrooms that uh, teachers are getting 12% more engagement across the board. So that's seven more useful minutes of class time on every hour. Oh. Yeah, as it allows the kids, the kids are happier. They're more able to learn because a lot of kids today, uh, their knowledge retention is tied to the way they're moving. So if they're learning and they're not moving, they're not learning. Mm. I, I bet you people would think they'll be more disruptive to have the kids not sit there, you know, quietly. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of teachers and admins fear that that would make the classroom out of control. But what we're noticing more and more over time, and it's bleeding over into other subjects and speakers that kids need to move. You know, um, our new psychology director at my school, she started off the year with a presentation about taking a one minute movement break at the beginning of your class and the benefits that that's going to have. And I've been pushing for that since I started working there, so I'm pretty excited about that. If every teacher, uh, when they started the class, they had kids stand even for like, I don't know, the first two minutes and then at the end stand for a minute before they go, do you think that would make an impact? I think it would, yeah. And, you know, think about it. If they spend just two minutes every class, that's an extra probably 16, 20 minutes a day. And, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not a yoga teacher or I'm not a trainer. Like, I don't know how to tell them to move. But it's just like, you know, stand up in the air and wave your arms, wiggle your fingers, you know, do something. Sit on the floor for a minute, get back up. What do you think is going to be the consequence of uh, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds with back pain and neck pain and all that and these heads forward? I mean, by the time they get to be adults, are they, I mean, are they screwed? What what do you think is the path for them? I mean... Honestly, it doesn't look too good. I'll say I think that businesses like Egoscue and people like me are going to be extremely busy trying to help the people of the world who are waking up to how important their posture is and how it changes the way their body works. That's one of the reasons I'm excited about being in school because I have an opportunity to teach the kids how important that is because it's so overlooked. You know, people think, oh, my posture is just something I have or I just got it from my mom, but it's really not like that and it changes constantly based on what you're doing. 
So I think there's going to be an eventual push to incorporate this in a school program, in PE programs, and we'll, you know, be triaging the people that are really suffering and trying to educate people who aren't suffering yet. Because once you have it as a practice, it's really easy to manage. It's really quite simple, but it's something that's just totally off most people's radar, even healthcare professionals. So what can people notice in themselves? How can they, you know, maybe do a quick diagnosis of themselves and what can they do to help themselves at least or start to help themselves? Um, I think, well, you know, it's pretty easy to notice a postural dysfunction. So um, I'll start by just giving you like a baseline. So the, everyone has 206 bones and about 650 muscles. All those muscles and bones have a particular job. If one side of your body is overpowering the other, that's a dysfunction. So if you're just standing for a few minutes, you can take note of how you're standing. And you'll probably notice that you're standing predominantly on one side of your body. Do a little bit more investigating, you'll probably realize that that side of your body is tighter and less flexible. The other side's more flexible. And so if that progresses to a certain point, that's when you're going to start to have pain and discomfort. And by doing things that trap your body in a symmetrical position and force it to work from that, and that's really the essence of posture therapy. I like to say the body is like water and it's always filling the cup that you give it. So if you can give it the right cup, you're going to be in really good shape. If your cup is, you know, a computer chair with a big fat wallet under one side of your butt, then you're not going to live a very symmetrical life. Hmm. So uh, when people come to you, what are the problems that they report most frequently? Let's plug in them. Um, I see tons of people with lower back pain. That's like, super common, lots of people with neck pain, shoulder problems, and that can show up as a couple different variations. But invariably, those things are happening because their hips aren't working right. A lot of time, it's the glute muscles. I can do a quick test where I have someone lay on their back and lift their hip to ask them what they feel the most, and it tells me if their glutes are working or not. Really, a lot of times, they just got to lay down, concentrate for a few minutes, and squeeze their butt. Um, there's, there's a teacher at my school named Gina, and she has pretty ongoing back problems. Before I met her, she used to have to be out for weeks at a time. And uh, she'll come grab me in the morning sometimes when her back's about to go out, and we'll go squeeze a pillow, squeeze her butt, do a couple things. And she's good to go for the rest of the day. I saw her getting a massage at the beginning of a faculty meeting the other week. Oh. And I was like, Gina, is your back okay right now? And she's like, yeah, it's just hurting a little bit today. I was like, Gina, did you squeeze your butt today? And she was like, my God, did I? I closed my door, I laid on the floor, I squeezed my butt, and there is no better feeling in the world than that. And that's a quote. Yeah. And on the flip side, I mean, I've seen some people suffering immensely. One of my good friends, a tennis coach for basically his whole life, uh, had a dysfunctional hip. So the muscles in one of his hips weren't doing the work that they should, right? So he would experience very minor back problems, ankle problems for years. And I wasn't very trained at that point when I knew him. And I was just like, you know, it seems like something bad's going to happen to you if you don't figure that out uh, yeah. pretty soon. And then fast forward four more years, uh, he developed a 13 millimeter and a six millimeter herniation in his back from the stress on his spine. And the space that those herniations made pulled on his hip flexor. So he lost the ability to walk. He had to quit his job, move back across the country, live at his parents' house. And we would sure. talk on the phone and do therapy over the phone. I couldn't even see him most of the time. 
uh, like every other night for a couple months and he uh, canceled back surgery. He was going to get a laminectomy and returned to being a tennis coach. He's a tennis coach out in Washington. He's been doing it for a year and a half again. Wow, no amazing. pain medication, no surgery or anything. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, you know, modern medicine, they just want to chop you up and take things out and fuse things. And they don't even talk about the underlying potential problems. They just, here's a muscle relaxer or here's surgery. Like, what? why do you think that yeah. this isn't addressed? Why aren't these simple things addressed? You know, I think I think that's a really complicated issue. And some of it has to do with money. You know, if if you have a problem that can be easily fixed cheaply, um, you know, certain businesses aren't really interested in offering that to you. But if they can prescribe you a drug that's going to make them some money every month as long as you live, I mean, that's more ideal for them. Uh, I think also, you know, the Western medicine ideology has evolved from a place of if you have a problem, it's a specific disease and there's a specific drug that you can take to help with that. And, you know, that may not be the case in every situation. A lot of times that might come from a deficiency, something you're not getting enough of. Or, you know, in the case of posture, a lot of times it's movement that people aren't getting enough of. And that's something that doctors aren't really trained on when they go to medical school. So, I mean, they'll tell you to exercise more. They'll give you muscle relaxers for your back. But they don't really see from the same perspective that, that has an underlying cause that you can go straight to to make a really positive change. Hmm. Okay. What's um again? What are what are some of the common things that people come to you for help with? You said lower back pain. I mean, wh- where do you think this is coming from? Just from sitting too much, or is it? Uh, it's it's a it's a use do? thing. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, your body is very intelligent, and it's going to be adapting to anything you use it for on a regular basis. And for a lot of people, that's waking up in the morning and sitting down and drinking coffee and then sitting down in your car and then sitting down at work and then going maybe to the gym, sitting down on some exercise machines and then going home and sitting on a couch before you lay in a bed. And so the body becomes really good at sitting. And then when you need to do something else, you know, you're going to run into problems because it's adapted for that specifically. So... Uh, posture therapy reminds the body of its intended function and allows the body to be used differently for some time. And the cumulative effect of doing it every day will change the way it's working, expose it to more novel stimulus and allow it to adapt to something you need it to adapt to because it's not smart enough to determine, is this a good adaptation or a bad adaptation? It's just going to try to support you in whatever you're doing. Does that make sense? Right. Your body's trying to support you, whatever you're, you're having it do. Uh huh. For example, it it's trying to help you there. Exactly. So, like a real easy one that'll cause a pretty can cause a pretty serious dysfunction. If you sit on a really large wallet all the time, one side of yeah. your hip is going to be higher up, and the muscle, especially the QL muscle and your erector muscles, are going to be tighter on the side where your wallet is because they're flexing and contracting to help that hip stay up. And then when you stand up, that's still happening. And then when you walk, your body has to deal with and encounter that difference in your back. And then that difference in your back is going to make it harder for your glute to work on that side. And then your hamstring has to work. And then your body develops this whole new way of walking that will cause enough inflammation to give you a back injury eventually. I've seen uh, some people, older people that are literally like bent in half walking and Literally, their head is like looking at the ground. They're bent in half. I mean, how do you think that happens to some people? 
it's just a continuation of their dysfunction, right? So lots of people that you don't notice as much when they're younger are standing on their toes. So over time, gravity drags those people down forward. And for them, you know, they may not even realize how severe it is because it's so gradual for them. And then, um, you know, you get grandma halfway bent over. Grandma gets a really short walker because that's where her hands usually hang. And then, you know, I said, body's like a body's like water. You give it a cup, you give it too short of a walker. You're absolutely going to stay bent over because you're pushing in a bent over position all the time when you're walking. So, I mean, some people, unfortunately, in old age that are that dysfunctional are not going to return to a position where they're completely thriving. But it might be as simple as getting grandma a walker that's a foot and a half taller. And, you know, she may improve a lot. Or, you know, she may not. It's kind of tough to say uh, generally at that point in someone's life. But, I mean, I've seen them improve and I've seen them not improve. Well, you've seen people like that, right? Like literally bent in half? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it really hurts my heart, you know, driving around town or being out in public and seeing people living like that. I remember I was at Walmart one time and I saw this old man trying to get out his receipt to show the lady that he wasn't stealing anything, but he was so bent over, he literally couldn't stand up tall enough to look at this woman. And she was like, oh no, it's fine. You can just go. And he was trying his hardest. And, you know, just the simple act of showing someone a receipt was causing this guy an immense amount of suffering. And if, you know, he had encountered a different way of thinking, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, that probably would never be a problem for him. He could have done something as simple as standing against a wall for three to five minutes a day. Yeah. What what do you see people think about what you what you do and about posture? Do you think they just um, discount it as no big deal or growing old or it it varies a lot. So in the environment I'm in, I'm not really in a position where I'm dealing with people who are skeptical, but when I used to work at the clinic that would happen a lot. And I mean, there are people who are suffering immensely. They notice a change instantly. They're completely sold. They love it. There are people who are suffering and they just want their suffering to be over. You know, they're coming from a perspective of Western medicine. They're like, my pills didn't work. My surgery didn't work. What can you make me do to make me better right now? And the answer is you have to work on it and take control of your body. And they don't want to hear that. Uh, And then there's some people who are skeptical that notice the difference and then they're sold on it or or not. Um, I mean, the kids I was working with didn't have a choice. They were a captive audience. Um, but I did get some amazing feedback from some of them. Some of them were like, I feel like I could run a hundred miles after we did our posture exercises, or they'd be like, I feel like it really helps my body be ready for anything. But then, you know, there were a couple of kids who were like, I think this is a waste of time. So, you know, it can really vary, but the, the method actually, you know, will ask you about whether you hurt or what kind of discomfort you're in. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because a therapist should be looking at the position of the bones and how the muscles are manipulating them and working on that change. And if you can get a person a little bit closer to that body blueprint, you can pretty much be certain that their body is going to behave better, the inflammation is going to be reduced, and whatever problems they have going on are going to be improved. What do you think the traditional physical therapy does? Do you think it's, I mean, you have people say, oh, isn't this just physical therapy? And, you know, don't you need this just after you hurt yourself or you get surgery? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of physical therapists who, you know, didn't really learn beyond whatever they learned in physical therapy school. 
And I mean, their business is basically run on insurance. So they get a referral from a doctor with a diagnostic code, say it's for your shoulder because your shoulder hurts and you're going to do shoulder exercises. And that's all that's covered in your insurance, right? And that's the only thing the physical therapist can do. But, you know, that problem with your shoulder may actually be coming from a tilt in your pelvis. And if they never look at that, you know, they might they might be able to make your shoulder feel a little bit better temporarily, but that problem is going to come right back. And now some physical therapists have started to figure this out, and they do a wonderful job with people. Um, but your average physical therapist would probably be a little abrasive running into an ideology like this if they haven't really taken time to absorb it. It could just because it's alien to them, and that's not the way they make money, and that's not how their world runs. Yeah. Yeah. For one, it would be hard for them to restructure their business in a way that served the body like this. And two, it's, it's just not what they learn. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's, it's like you're looking for the biggest thing that's going wrong in the body. But when you're a physical therapist, you already have a very small lens because that's symptom-based treatment, right? So Hmm. in the essence of posture therapy, you're trying to figure out what the biggest underlying problem is so you can fix it. But in physical therapy, you're just like, oh, yeah, your knee hurts. We're going to work on your knee, even though hmm. knees are usually a hip problem. Hmm. Yeah, what's what's people's response when you tell them that, uh, you know, a knee may really be a hip problem and a shoulder may be a back problem? And are they, do they look at you with a cocked head? Are they, you know, are they surprised? Or do they say, yeah, that makes sense? I get, I get pretty varied responses. Um, when I was at the posture therapy clinic, I mean, when I was learning that for the first time, I was like, wow, are you serious? You know, but then, you know, six, nine months later, you know, I'm using that with great effect and I'm seeing it in practice and it's quite real. Um, right now, I mean, like I said, the kids are captive audience, the people I work on at the investment firm and my boss's investors, they all just, you know, want to feel better or want to be their best self. So if I, tell them something is going on with their body they generally just accept whatever i have to say i'm really fortunate in that way but if i was working at the clinic still you know they have to do a fair amount of convincing because a lot of people come in there wanting to hear a specific thing and if you're not telling it to them you know it's going to be difficult yeah if you noticed it i i guess you probably notice it constantly when you walk around and go out and about to like starbucks or something you know i see people walking with you know one foot is is out so they're kind of like walking like a duck on one side. You know, I see people's shoulders up on one side or down on another side. I see their their heels, one's worn away, you know, in a pattern. And I don't know. I exactly. guess I started to notice And every single one of those things is representative of a dysfunction that's going on in that person's body. And, you know, it may not be bothering them now. It may not be bothering them for five or ten years. But when their body gets deep enough into that adaptation, it'll cause some serious problems. And I see that all the time especially like the moms that like take their babies in strollers on my way to work because I have to drive through Terrytown. I see the same mm-hmm. one every day with her right hip super high up, looking down to the right at her phone, her left shoulder's really high up. Every day it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> Dysfunction in action, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and oh. people like that, you know, they don't, they're probably not going to run into Egoscu or Feldenkrais or the Alexander Method. So, you know, it'll just be completely off their radar until they're suffering and they're actively looking for a solution. Oh, you mentioned uh, Feldenkrais and the Alexander Method. I've heard of these. What the, like, how do they compare to Egoscu? Are they just 
different or better, or is it better to do like all of them together? I think they're all kind of similar. They all come from the same place. I mean, if you talk to any individual representative of one of those methods, they're going to tell you they're the best one. But I think they all have uh, really similar concepts to offer. I haven't been personally trained in Feldenkrais to the Alexander method, but I've talked to people who have done both, and they say it's really similar. It's it's a little bit different. Do you try to incorporate from all three in your therapy, or you focus on a gastro, or like what's your methodology? I mean, my my work is is based heavily on what Egoscue came from, but I've also been working independently now for a couple of years. So I've had a chance to kind of fine tune my own thoughts and put a few movements that I think are important into what I do. So mm. I would say it's it's a little bit different now. I don't know if it's completely my own thing. It's still a lot of Egoscue, but um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to move on from when I worked at the clinic was they're very specific about how they do their first appointment, how they sell therapy to people, how they encourage people to do their therapy. And when I had a chance to just work on my own as a therapist in a chiropractor's clinic, you know, I had the leeway to do it however I wanted to. And I still saw a lot of success and I found ways that were, you know, more efficient or easier for the person that, you know, were just easier for everybody based on the way the therapy is delivered. Hmm. So what is a, what is a first session with you consist of? Like, what does the person do and what do you do? Um, it depends on how the person approaches me. So if they reach out to me and it's not someone I can see in person, I'll just ask him to tell me about what's going on and send me four pictures themselves. And then I can fashion a series of exercises that'll go in on the problems that I see and based on their information. And then, you know, depending on how big of a problem it is, I might have a Skype appointment with them where I, uh, literally take them through each exercise because it can be really based on precision, right? You know, if your pelvis is a centimeter high on one side and you need it to come down, you know, you're going to have to be pretty precise in the way you're moving to achieve that. Uh, If it's someone I see in person, I use a software called Posture Mobile to take pictures of them, drop some little dots on it, show them what I see. And then I'll take them through a list of exercises that I put together for them. And then I will send them a document so that they can continue to do it on their own. Because the the biggest idea is that they take responsibility for their problem, which is their body, and and fix it. And then the, the continued interest on the client's part and their continued practice and their enhanced way enhanced uh, ability to feel what's going on in their body helps me really hone in on exactly what's going on if it's not obvious that the outright and then the person gets better um sometimes it just takes one appointment i had a woman i saw a couple months ago she had been in terrible horrible pain for like 20 years apparently she would come home from work and just like cry on her bed for a couple hours every day she was taking like 32 advil uh i worked on her yeah 32 advil every day for years um And I worked on her for about 45 minutes and, you know, we straightened out her spine a bit, leveled her pelvis and she got up. She said she was pain-free for the first time in two decades. And I checked in with her wife a few weeks later. She said that she hadn't been taking any Advil, but I'm assuming that she's just doing great now because I haven't heard from them again. 
sometimes that's all it takes is just to show the person what they need to do with their body and then they can just get better yeah that's amazing well that's really cool so what's the um what do you see as the future of your work do you Uh, want to put out uh, books and courses or like what, what do you want to do Right now, I'm really focusing on learning how to master children and really understand their body. And I spend a lot of time reading. I want to become like a true expert of anatomy and the body. But in the future, when I'm done with the school, I'll come work full time at my friend and mentor's uh, investment firm as his wellness director. He's a pretty notable guy. His name's Ari Rastigar. He just published an article. Uh, today and yesterday in Forbes, he's a big real estate investor. So my future, I think, will be pretty intertwined with him. He's almost just as passionate about health and uh, posture as I am. We're both in the same uh, cutting-edge anti-aging program. We both eat according to our ALCAT food sensitivity test. And right now, as I'm coming in here part-time and working out as employees, we're working on developing like a really cutting edge wellness program for his employees because as his business grows we're going to have more and more people here to take care of how many people are you helping to take care of over there so far um i think right now we just have about 10 employees so i just come like once a week for a couple hours and meet with everybody and then i also act as like a fitness and health consult like if they want help you know finding something that needs to work better for them in their diet or their fitness or whatever um yeah but i think you know, Ari and I have some pretty big plans for the future. Um, I'm trying to uh, put more stuff on my blog. It's hard because I work so much. I'm so busy. Um, but really, you know, I just have so much to do right now and so much to look forward to. I'm just kind of letting it play out. Any uh, last recommendations for parents that are concerned about their children? Their children are complaining of pain or they're looking like they're twisted. Yeah. So if you if you notice you're twisted up, my first go to is to stand on a wall with your palms facing out for a couple minutes. If you notice that it's really hard to stand on that wall, do it every day for a while. If you're a parent, you notice that your kids had a super forward. See if you can get them some lightweight prism glasses, glasses that have a little uh, it's like a lens that turns their sight at a right angle down. So then they can look at their iPad or whatever they're doing without putting their head all the way down. And a third thing would be to transition yourself and your children into wide, flat shoes. Um, So many people are wearing shoe-shaped shoes, and the, the toe part of your foot should really be the widest part of your foot. And if you give yourself more and more and more support on your feet, your feet are going to give you less and less and less support until... You basically have to walk around with pillows on your feet just to be comfortable. But if you're wearing flat, wide shoes, your feet will be strong. Your ankles have an opportunity to be healthy. And it's going to make you a healthier, happier person overall. And my favorite brand of shoes called Zero Shoes, Zero with an X, just Mm -hmm. released this month a child size of a very wide, flat shoe called the Prio. Very excited about that. Yeah, I I got a pair of Zero Shoes. I spoke to the interview, the owner, recently in there. They're pretty cool. I like them too. Yeah, they're great. I only wear zero shoes. That's pretty much it. Actually, Ari just got me some Yeezy boosts this week for when I'm at the office. But just between you and me, I don't really care for them. They're not very functional. They're just expensive. (laughs) Right on. 
All right. Well, very good, Sean. What's the best way for people to uh, you know to get in touch? Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to find me would be my website, favoryourself.com, F-A-V-E-R, yourself. Um, I try to put a blog article up there like once a month or so, but if my email's on there, so if you want some help or you want some additional information, you can reach out to me there and I'll get back to you. All right. That's great. Well, Sean, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Rich. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.